Welcome to another episode of Sci-Fi Nomads. I'm Dustin. I'm Lauren. And joining us today is one of the hosts of the show that was really the inspiration for for our show. Uh, Lauren and I both, uh, when we're on road trips, we listen to a lot of podcasts. And I have a different feed that I, I or a list of podcasts that I listen to at work than when we're together on, on trips. And uh, one of our together shows is Radio versus the Martians. With Mike Gillis. Yep. And we have Mike here. They also, Mike and his, his uh, other host, Casey, do... Uh, Cohort. Podcast La Vista and Hex and Violence. Mike, welcome to Sci-Fi Nomads. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for the kind words. And since, you know, one of your shows out of your, your three that you have is specifically on Arnold, it seemed very fitting... To, uh, to have you with us, especially since we did listen to your Predator episode. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, I, yeah, it's a it's an Arnold classic. It it's really definitely is. One of it. It's a big Arnold tentpole movie. So if there was going to be an Arnold version of Mount Rushmore, then Dutch from Predator would be on there. Yep. yep. Yelling at you to get to the chopper. All right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and and dive right on in. So we will cover this movie by movie at first and hopefully not take too terribly long doing that because there's five movies there's five movies yeah so because we're covering predator and alien versus predator yep yeah (laughs) (laughs) just saying that out loud just makes me embarrassed for myself a little (laughs) bit but no it was actually a lot of fun (laughs) all right so first we have predator a special ops probably delta force team led by arnold schwarzenegger playing the character dutch go into the Guatemalan jungle on a rescue mission only to find themselves being hunted by an advanced unknown threat. It's revealed there was no rescue mission, but that doesn't stop the Predator from picking off everyone one by one until only Dutch is left. And in an epic balls-out MacGyver showdown, he forces the Predator to self-destruct. Yeah, this is where you get the... This is the movie where you get the the famous Boy Scout death traps that... Oh are a trope in every other movie and the one-liners oh it's so many it's i think my favorite is when he's taking out the the village of like communist rebels and mm-hmm. he throws he throws this knife at this guy and by knife i mean it looks like a hobbit sword it's huge. <laughs> like a machete it, it goes all the way through the guy's torso and sticks him to a wall and arnold just smirks at the camera and goes stick around oh god <laughs> it's so bad yeah it's, well, and this is one of the love it few, if not the only movie with two future governors in it. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, you, you don't can't know. For, oh, you maybe, can't. maybe you know, maybe three. We don't know about Carl Weathers yet or Bill Duke. Okay, it's true. I'm going to hold yeah. out hope. We're we going to hold out hope. Governor Apollo Creed. I think we can <laughs> we can make that happen. Oh my God, <laughs> where is Jen- Jesse Ventura nowadays? Uh, oh. He's he's arguing about like you know government weather machines in Alaska and yeah. the Illuminati and yeah he's he, he kind of goes back and forth between weird conspiracies and arguing for a flat tax. Yeah, he's a probably of all the conspiracy guys out there, he's the most personally entertaining because I mm-hmm. think he's just he's just funny and likable, even if what he's saying is kind of batshit. Yeah, that and he sounds yeah. awesome saying whatever. Oh yeah. Oh. 
Oh, the Illuminati's coming to get you. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> I, yeah, he's pretty awesome. And, yeah, and his the- his character in in Predator uses like a full on machine gun that should oh. be mounted in a plane or on a vehicle. Oh yeah, it's a helicopter gun, and he just carries just it around carrying, like nothing. Yeah. I I've actually said before to Casey that we're pretty sure that the minigun as a weapon in the video game Doom is probably entirely because of Jesse Ventura in this movie. Oh, nice! The idea of somebody carrying it around, and it I think it made it really cool because it's a very cinematic gun because it's spinning, and it just looks like and it, it just weighs mows about five- everything down. Oh, yeah, he spends like a minute shooting... No, Bill Duke does. Uh, picks it up off his dead body and spends like a minute mowing down the jungle to hopefully get the Predator. Right. Something that is not humanly possible. Yeah, there's no way you could carry that much ammo. Right, I mean, even, and even if you could, to actually be able to shoot that weapon and stay on your feet? <laughs> no! Well, it makes for good well, Hollywood. Well, these dudes are like superhuman. I mean, you look at... <laughs> they really uh, are. They, it looks like when the camera's not on them, they're just constantly, you know, lifting weights and doing push-ups because they are just glistening in this movie. <laughs> it, most of them aren't wearing sleeves because it looks like there aren't shirts that have been invented that can hold these arms in. These guys are ripped in this movie. And I mean, they'd this be is, shiny even uh, if they were in the guys, jungle. Some of these guys, this is the peak of their physique. I mean, mm-hmm. they this is, this is the movie with that. They got to show off their bodies. Oh, God, it has the most incredible handshake in it, too. The Between Carl Weathers and Arnold. <laughs> yeah. It goes on for like a minute. It, 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 so it almost awkward. looks like they're going to... It's wonderful. It's like they're about to kiss. It's, <laughs> or punch each other's face. Well, oh, and, God. And Carl That's Weathers the... is in amazing shape right then, and he looks puny. Yeah. He looks weak and puny. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh-oh. It's it's just so... Um, it defined... To, to me, it defines action flick. It just it has everything, and yeah, it has it, explosions. The, it's got the best quippy des- one-liners, and the best description of it. And this is something I've actually quoted you on, Mike, at work recently to describe a uh, a conflict that's going on. It's absurd, macho bullshit. It is in the best possible way. <laughs> in the it's, best, yeah. most cinematically wonderfully wonderful way. Now and. Yeah, it's one of my favorite bits about Arnold, too, is that he's willing to share the absurd macho bullshit with the cast, that everyone gets one-liners, everyone gets cool weapons and moments, Mm -hmm. and I mean, Arnold's obviously the star, and you know going into it, even if you've never seen Predator before, that Arnold's going to be the last survivor, but they let the other guys be characters, and that's the thing that really makes this movie stand out, because you could make a bunch of, like, random, you know, interchangeable dead meat guys under Arnold, but they don't. They're like all these incredibly macho guys that you could see an entire other movie being made about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that happens in a lot of his other films where he he is propped up by all of these weaker characters. But this one, yeah. they're more side by side, and it was yeah, it's good. And what's really interesting good about macho, it macho is bullshit. comparing this to some of the other, you know, sci-fi greats, there is virtually no plot and virtually no story. Yeah, it's nice and stripped down. It's, it's nice an, and simple. It's an amazing premise. Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting an alien. Yeah, in the jungle. That's the premise. But it seems almost um, like a secondary plot point. Like they have this main plot of going in there and supposedly saving people until they realize that they've been betrayed. Um, and then this predator thing just happens to be happening. Yeah. At the same time, even though that's the whole point of the movie. Right. 
Like the whole first yeah. half and second half, it, it, it reminds me of, of a, a, a Bond film where typically the first half and second half are effectively different movies. Yeah. And there's just a slight little tie-in between them. Oh, yeah. I mean, by the time you get um, Dutch in full mud regalia and start setting up his, his traps, I mean, that's a different movie from the very beginning, but it's, it works so well. Yeah, it does. It's 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 a good one. I like that you do get the kills in the movie because they've created them as other characters feel like they have weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that even when you're watching it, I know Shane Black, who would later direct some great movies like Long Kiss Goodnight and The Nice Guys, is the little guy with the sunglasses. He's also the guy, that guy with the glasses um, who's always telling the dirty jokes. That's the yeah. screenwriter of Lethal Weapon. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, he added a lot of little dialogue bits to the movie, too. You know, he's the first one who dies, but... You can't really, by looking at them, determine what order they're going to die in. And that mm-hmm. kind of gives you that sense of... And it's not the like, black man first. Right. Yeah. Which almost it's, seemed intentional. There was two black men. They could have gone with either, and they didn't. And it was awesome. Yeah. And both pretty spectacular deaths for everybody, too. I mean, it's like Bill Duke gets his head exploded with the Predator laser. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a nice, juicy explosion. Um, I really love the way Carl Weathers' arm gets shot off because it hits the ground <laughs> with that rub. It's like a rubbery bounce it hits with. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I would, uh, it's believable. It's the, the way I, I love practical effects because practical effects create things like that where, you know, real life isn't especially worried about your self-esteem or how cool things look. So when you drop somebody off a building, they're not going to look like, they're going to, you know, they're going to hit something and it's going to, you know, it's going to bounce weird or their head's going to snap in a weird way. This is what I really miss about movies where they push dummies off of things and (laughs) seeing a movie like this, because when you see something hit in an undignified way, you go, oh, and you Mm -hmm. laugh a little bit, which is what I think the best Arnold movies do because that, that is true. That is that, that was, yeah. that's what makes Arnold the death so good. And it's, it's also Arnold himself because if you want to compare him to Stallone, Stallone is so serious all the time. And Arnold has this like twinkle in his eye that lets you, it's so it, it's like telling the audience it's okay to laugh at the death of your fellow human beings. <laughs> and this isn't something we have to take totally seriously. So let's, let's, let's have some fun with this. So, you know, when he like, kicks the door in on those rebels and blows them away with that like rocket launcher on the bottom part of his gun that's like the size of a Pringles can and goes knock knock it's like we can have fun with that it's like this you know we're not watching actual snuff film we're watching you know cartoon violence and it lightens it and it makes it more approachable for more people I think yeah I think so then it also contrasts with that like you said that second half of the movie where the violence is much more horrific and scary where these guys aren't having fun anymore because they're they're on the other end of that violence, and uh, the predator's kind of an asshole. If, yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. He he kills people in the cheapest ways. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, all in the name of honor too. The predator's the best just part. the predator's just a trophy hunter. Oh yeah, and that's, that's, that's uh, Teddy cool. Roosevelt out on safari. Yeah, it's, I just it's imagine kind of Teddy Roosevelt pulling out somebody's skeleton. Yeah, t- Teddy <laughs> Final Roosevelt move style. Like eight feet tall with like dreadlocks and a mesh shirt, uh-huh. and it's that's what's kind of weird trying to figure out who this guy is. And that's the bit I like the most about the Predator is how few answers you get. Mm-hmm. That I don't want to know, you know, what planet he comes from. I don't want to know 
what he's going to do with all these trophies. I don't want to know what he does in his regular life. I don't know if he runs like a web hosting company or <laughs> he's like a dentist or he's got something. got a convenience shop down, down the corner. I don't know if this is going to be one of those things like those those big game hunter guys who post pictures of their kills on Twitter and then like the internet it blows up because you know like he's going onto Predator Twitter with a picture of himself with like dead Jesse Ventura mm-hmm. and <laughs> people are like oh you fucking asshole and it's just like I I don't know if that's how that's going to go down. Humans but, are so uh, meek and vulnerable. How could you? I would probably enjoy it more if I knew he came from like a Star Trek type utopian future and he's just like some guy who's really into CrossFit and big game hunting. Rampaging. Now, by the time of of Alien vs. Predator, you start getting a little bit of a picture of how their society works. Yeah, I try to ignore those parts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, that does lead us to the second movie. Yes. Predator 2. Lord, would you like to introduce They didn't it? actually do any better of a title. It was just Predator 2. Yeah. That's all right. I, I kind of miss that, though. I, I miss when a movie would just have a number at the end. It wouldn't be, you know, something silly. Because nowadays, I think movie companies are afraid to put a number, especially a big That's number on a movie. That's because sequels are so overdone. But that... it's like everyone... It's, are we tricking anyone to thinking it's not no, part five? No, they're not. You know? Not really. I mean, or yeah. part I mean, eight. Every... Yeah, Fast and the Furious, sir. Oh, I I will give credit to the Fast and the Furious movies. One because they're awesome, but two because they're not afraid to have big numbers in their titles. I mean, they're really not. They've become uh, they've become self ridiculing on a level that is just. Yeah, it's there. Those movies are insane. But again, it's that absurd macho bullshit thing. I I kind of like that Predator Two is just Predator Two, and I'm a little sad that Predators is not Predator Three. Yeah, well, they went with the alien montage there a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah inconsistent naming. Inconsistent yeah. naming. Yeah, um, Predator Two is is kind of like Predator, where we have you know uh, an alien creature that is hunting humans, but it takes place in L.A. And so we get to see Danny Glover as the as the main cop who uh, thinks that he's in a rival drug gang war. Which is ridiculous, by the way. I mean, the Jamaicans versus the... Colombians. Colombians. So yeah, I stereotypical. I want to get into that a bit more later, but um, yeah. But he finds out that people on both sides are dying in mysterious ways. And then the FBI shows up. It's Gary Busey. Oh my God, nobody can take him seriously. <laughs> oh, but they're claiming to be DEA. Oh, right. DEA. No, they're FBI. They're, they're Mulder oh. and Scully. Oh, yeah, it's kind of great, this movie, because you notice that it takes place, even though the movie was made in 1990, the movie takes place in 1997, so it's sort of a near-future like, mm-hmm. RoboCop world. This is what they thought well, drug gangs and wars and stuff were going to be like. It's oh, like, yeah, this is like the beginning of Demolition Man, and it's, it's these characters that are in these escalating, crazy, warriors-style you know, gang warfare where people are like dual wielding uzis at each other and oh my one gosh. Guy has like, there's like a grenade launcher that a gang member has that a gang member just randomly yeah. pulls out it's like what what's what's crazy though is this is the most political that the series gets because if yeah. you look at it 1990 they're thinking in seven years la is going to fall into complete chaos with the war on drugs and not only that but L.A. at that point was starting to get quite a bit of racial tension. And they looked at that, those two things, how bad can the war on drugs get and how bad can racial tension in L.A. get? 
and they created LA is in the middle of a civil war and the cops are powerless. Yeah, it's kind of the the Death Wish 3 model. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Death Wish 3, but it's this Mm-mm. it's a it's probably the most right-wing movie that isn't made by like Lenny Riefenstahl, <laughs> but it's essentially this vision of kind of urban crime that almost feels post-apocalyptic. It kind of comes close to being almost Mad Max-esque. And like the gang itself looks like something that would be in a Mad Max movie. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this feels like, too, yeah. where it's it's like the beginning of what will become a dystopia. And that pretty yeah. soon these guys are going to be like in gyrocopters and in like Volkswagen <laughs> covered in spikes. And, and it's, they're all dressed up in the most fabulous ways. Oh, my gosh. And they're making this political point. But you can't tell what the point is. Is it that we have to stop the drug war before it gets out of control? Or is it we have to kill these drug lords before they no. destroy our cities? They, they didn't think that deeply into it. It was, let's set up a war, stick a cop in the middle of it, and then have a predator come and start hunting them down. <laughs> That's, that much. is as far as they thought okay. that through, I'm pretty sure. You go from Delta Force to LAPD detective. Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh. And Danny Glover gets to play the crazy cop this time. Yeah, I mean, it's not kind the of a straight edge. Yeah, he's not the guy who's constantly, you know, he's not too old for this shit, but he's the guy who is dub- jumping into a car and driving it at this, like, barricade of guys with, like, military-grade weapons <laughs> so that the other cops can use it as a shield. Plus, because it's the future, everyone has regular guns with, like, weird scopes and metal And it bits. managed like, to work because he put bulletproof vests in the windows. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, she, yeah, don't shoot out the tires or anything. Oh, and then he gets called into the the captain's office and has the FBI there, or DEA agent there, and they're going through his record and all of these people that have died, all of the vehicles he's destroyed, all of the property <laughs> damage great. he's called, caused, and none of it is because of this incident. It's all his career before that. This is a guy who wants to get the job done at all costs. He's, he's the dirty hairy cop. Yes. He's the guy who, he gets called into the principal's office all the time to get screamed at because the mayor's breathing down my neck. And it's like, you know. I, you it's know, so it's, good. It's so it's stereotypical. Pretty, it's every kind of crazy cop movie just turned up to 11 because mm-hmm. it's the future. Which and, is what Predator 2 really is. Yeah. And, and it's crazy that you have the hero as a cop and yet the cops are a joke. Oh, yeah. Like, because they need to all be crazy cops. That's that's kind of the weird underlying message of the sort of vigilante genre with a cop on the edge is like, you know, we shouldn't, you know, worry about things like, you know, civil rights or excessive force because, you know, <laughs> we're fighting a war out there. And uh, it it's the sort of thing that to justify that kind of mentality, it has to exist in a cartoon universe where people do have like dual wielding military grade crazy weapons that or straight out of a Mad Max gang, and the leader of the Jamaicans is like a voodoo priest, and it has to be like cartoon evil. It does. Because if yeah. it's just a bunch of poor people trying to make ends meet, <laughs> then, you're just, then you're just a psychopath. Yeah, I mean, you're just you a know. psychopath, and it makes this whole predator thing look uh, awfully cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy comes down to Earth and decides to hunt, you know, the greatest that he can find, and there's a war going on. Okay, let's go over there. And yeah. It's like, no, it's just people trying to get by. And, and okay, so then, yeah, the let's Predator- pull their spines out. The Predator shows up and starts killing 
people that are fighting. And this is one thing that we find out is the predators will generally only kill you if you are armed. And not pregnant. Yeah, that too. And if you are if you are armed, if you are a combatant, then they will kill you. And they are drawn to hot places. And L.A. at this point is in the middle of a heat wave, like three weeks of 110 degree weather or something like that. It's always on a hot summer. And they only hit when it's hot and there's conflict. And there was a war in L.A. It was hotter than hell. And the predator went and started killing people because if you want to go unnoticed, kill people in a war. Yeah, that's true. It's a little bit weird, though, because he has heat vision, that he can see you based on your body heat. Maybe so it's relative be... heat vision. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, how much be... warmer are you from the surrounding environment? Well, but LA yeah. was so hot, you would be cooler than, the, than everything else. You would be, yeah, sweating and evaporating, and it's the opposite land. Danny Glover is so sweaty in this movie. Oh, it looks God. Like, Constantly. It looks like he... He shows up at like a, a location where the you know, like crime's going down. It looks like he ran there from the police station. It's it's it is a sweaty movie. See, in the first movie, they have an excuse. They're actually in Mexico filming, and it is hot and humid. And even Arnold Schwarzenegger admitted that it was some of the toughest terrain he's ever worked on. But this was like shot in L.A. <laughs> so yeah. there's really okay, so just... guys. Just tone down on the oil. I think they're just spraying him down constantly. constantly. The hose. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah, had just... I've had spray on sweat on me before. It's yeah. it works. <laughs> it is it is a shiny movie, and yeah. it's I kind of love that about it because a lot of movies get drawn to the idea of doing a sequel that is, hey, let's do the first movie just with more money and less good writing, and usually with a different star or more money for the original star. Mm-hmm. So it's like the same, but only slightly different. The thing I like with predator too, is it keeps that initial concept of like the alien big game hunter, but it changes everything else Yeah. where it's instead of the jungle, you're in the city instead of this super soldier guy, who's this giant beefy, you know, guy, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you get Danny Glover. Who's a lot smaller, kind of a dorky looking cop. Yeah, I mean, you get a totally different looking action star. His pants and are so high. It was. It, it's the future. It's the future. What can you say? <laughs> and but yeah, it's that where everything's just a little bit off because it's the future, and uh, it has that Demolition Man kind of again vibe to it. But yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting movie. I like a lot of things in it. I think there's a lot of really fun kills in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Predator is still completely cheap the way he... I mean, he, I don't even know if he's really a great hunter or not. That's been yeah. something I've struggled with while watching these movies is, is he actually just really good or does he have such a huge technological and physical advantage against, I mean, what would be, you know, the best humans, the toughest, greatest killers of a species that's two feet shorter than him and is a great deal less strong than him <laughs> and... Yeah, when you put it like that. Well, it's about on par with a human trophy hunter. Yeah. There's yeah. no honor. You are going out and you are killing something that has no chance against you. But, for sport. but at least if, if the if the guns were all dropped, like if he you know turned off his invisibility shield and uh didn't have the blades that came out of his arms or his super spear or his net weapon or any I of that. I think there's stuff. only one I think that only happened once, and that was at the end of a- uh, Alien vs. Predator 2. Yeah, there's a lot of these Where weird he, little Where he weapons. starts pulling mm-hmm. stuff off, and and then they, he attacks with the, 
the predalien. Punch- yeah. Yeah, he just wants to punch him. Yeah. If you threw all that weapons away and you just went hand to hand against humans, um, if I tried to fight like a water buffalo with my bare hands, it would not be a long fight. It would not be an epic battle. It would be getting stomped to death mm-hmm. or it would be an animal running away from me. But even if I was to fight something like, say, a lion, a lion would kill me where the predator is fighting things that are physically weaker than him. And then on top yeah. of that, he has a huge technological advantage, and he doesn't even have to aim his own gun. The computer does it for him with that, like, triangle uh, targeting thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it'd be kind of like hunting jackrabbits. Yeah, yeah. And they don't, it's such a, it's such a for strange honor. thing. <laughs> yeah, that it's all about honor, but it's like, well, who are these people? They're kind of dicks. Which is why I personally really like the direction it went with, with the Alien versus Predators movies because hmm. they're because they're hunting something dangerous they're hunting something that will has been known to kill them okay and that to me makes more sense than them hunting random humans because yeah, yeah humans are just these weak little pawns now by the time we get to predators you've got two cases where a predator has been defeated by a human mm-hmm. predator one and predator two it's true humans have proven themselves to be capable or that well, the- predator was just proven to be incapable. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's a different one each one, each time. Mm-hmm. So you, and if this is like a rite of passage or something, what if these are just like teenagers? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the picture you kind of get later. Is- yeah. It's just it's like a couple of teenagers who go out and fuck up their frat joke. It's like, oh, geez. Yeah. I can't believe you actually died from that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I, uh, Danny Glover seems to have kind of won their respect at the end because they give him that antique pistol. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, most of the time, they're kind of sore losers. Like at the f- end of the first one, Arnold dropped that Ewok trap on that guy. Oh. And he's like all impaled and he's dying. He's mortally wounded and he sets off that like nuke in the middle of the jungle. And mm-hmm. laughs. Just laughs. Yeah. Oh, that's the best part. It's Yeah. They well, don't seem to like... Um, any kind of pain medication they just start stabbing themselves with medical equipment and it's gotta hurt because they scream yeah Mm -hmm. every time every time it's like how about a little novocaine on that so at this point we got um danny glover which i can't even remember the cop's name it's it's just danny glover Um, it was like mike mike cardigan or something something weird it's like cardigan but not cardigan um he tracks down the fbi who have this whole setup trap set up for the predator uh which of course goes totally backwards and they all end up dying because yeah, the predator can use infrared, but he can use other forms of visual confirmation too. So when they go in there, all busted out with their l- big flashlights, he just switches over to a different channel. It's like, Oh gee, there's a bunch of people here. Mm-hmm. I better kill them. And uh, Danny Glover managed to go on this epic rampage through LA chasing this predator down Chases him down to his home base ship where he dies gloriously. Yeah. Not Danny Glover, the the Predator. And that's when we first get um, multiple Predators. Mm-hmm. So we get, what was there, probably six, six, seven. six or seven different Predators that were on that ship. And they give him, yeah, they give him a pistol that's really old and let him From go like on 1700. his way. So he, I guess, yeah, he did earn their respect a little bit there. They didn't let him get off the ship before they took off. He had to they, dive away from yeah, the explosion. Yeah, he had to run. 
Yeah. They would have been nice to give him a bit of a heads up. No, these guys have always proven to be kind of assholes. Unless they thought he was coming along. They're like, hey, you're good at killing stuff. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. They give him a pistol and they're like, wait, where's he going? Oh, shit. But yeah. He in, just stole our pistol. In the ship, you also see other things they have hunted. Oh, the trophy room. There's human skulls, and it's just skulls. There's humans, there's aliens you can't recognize, and a xenomorph. Yeah! From the Alien series. And that's when the yeah. alien crossover really starts. And it was just, that's what it was. It was the Easter egg. It wasn't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it set up a lot of, you know, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this among fans forever? Oh, the because... comic books. Oh, I'm going to get yeah. into the comic books later. And it's just... The amount of love that the Alien vs. Predators comic books have had over the past 30 years is just amazing. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy because that one Easter egg was probably just intended to be a neat little thing with no intent of actually making a movie. And or two. There were, yeah, or two. <laughs> and I don't think they expected the response to it. The same way that there is one of the... Friday the 13th movies, or is it a... I forget if it's a Freddy Krueger, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, or if it's a Friday the 13th movie that ends with, you know, Jason's mask getting pulled down to hell by a Freddy glove, where it's just a, hey, a wink and a nudge to kind of our competitor, you know, another movie series that's popular at the same time that has a slightly similar premise. And it was enough to spark, you know this decades-long desire to create this crossover. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we live in sort of the age of Marvel movies now, but crossovers were not a thing that were done back then. That's true. Like, that used to be a rarity, and now it's... Yeah, it's like, you know, you could see a lot of the monsters together in, like, you know, an Abbott Costello meets, like, Frankenstein or something like that. They could all show up, but that was always kind of treated like a gag. It wasn't like a serious, let's have the Wolfman fight Dracula for real. Um, it's, it's kind of weird because, yeah, exactly. It's that sort of thing, but it's, it's weird, um, how long it took. And ultimately I think it took way too long to make those movies Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the interest and fervor for them was largely gone. The same with Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. That I think they came out about 10 years too late. Yeah. But there is also a little bit of... As you, you go through these all these different movies, the Predator gets better, not necessarily because the Predator is actually getting better, but because our technology is getting better and we can present it better. By the time we mm-hmm. get to the third movie, Predators, where we have a bunch of like mercenaries, military, criminal, doctor, all sorts of people being dropped onto a planet, a jungle planet, the infrared that they mm-hmm. use is like superb. Um, the laser blasts are better and it just, you know, you look back at that first predator movie and it makes the infrared look kind of childish. Uh Yeah. Like in an alien versus predator, their arm computer, which up to this point is just a bomb has holographic capability. Yeah. I like just the bomb better. I just love (laughs) the idea that they have this nuclear device attached to them at all times. Well, especially since you don't need a computer on your wrist. When you've got a heads-up display in your helmet. Yeah. It's a it's a weird thing. Well, I, you don't know. Maybe you do need those both. Yeah. <laughs> it's the future. But, a lot, but even technology aside, I think that it's sometimes the little details um, that they do with this technology that really makes the movie. Like, in the very first one, there's a couple instances where 
there's a neat little touch visually, like a special effect that they didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that bit where uh, Carl Weathers has that scorpion on his back and Bill Duke stabs it with the knife. Yeah. Yep. And drops it on the and wipes his knife off. And the predator is watching them from the trees in, in heat vision. And you see on the ground the little dot, and that's the scorpion. Yeah, yeah. He looks at the little scorpion. It's like, okay, that was nice that they threw that in there. Yeah. And I think as they walk away, you see Arnold drop his cigar, and his cigar on the ground is a little heat spot. Yeah. It's art. Yeah, it, it's little things like that that are just kind of neat little touches that show that the filmmakers are paying attention and having mm-hmm. fun with it. It's little things like that where the, the filmmaker could just get lazy, mm-hmm. but... They, I mean, it's essentially a B movie premise, and it's a mon, you know, a monster hunter hunting a bunch of soldiers in the woods, picking them off one by one. But it treats it with a seriousness, but not like a Batman v Superman over seriousness. <laughs> that that lets it, you know, be treated like something that has a production value and is fun and is, in the context of the movie, serious. Yeah. So, what did you think of um, the third movie, Predators? I liked it more than I thought I would. It, right? Uh, it kind of surprised. It like came out of right field. It was like, huh? It's the worst of the series, but enjoyable. It's it's weird because I think even I liked it I, better than the second movie. Yeah, right. I think I think I liked it a little bit better than the second movie too. Though I have a lot of affection, I just think that the things that Predator Two did, I think Demolition Man did a little bit better in I terms love of the, like. Oh yeah. But um, but the third one, I what I really like about it is that it did the sequel thing better like it's back to the jungle but it isn't just a rehash it's a bunch of people getting picked off one by one but it's not a rehash because they're all strangers who don't know why they're there they're not the well-oiled machine that arnold's group was that they all come from different places on earth that they don't know why they've been chosen necessarily at first until they start starting to work together and you have like a really good cast in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Adrian Brody and Danny Trejo, Mahershala Ali, Lawrence Fishburne, um, Topher Grace. I mean, it's a really interesting group of characters. Yeah. That, again, they don't feel like any of them are super expendable. And for the first out of any of them, you also get a twist because you've got all of these terrible, horrible monsters. They're, they're mercenaries. They're elite military. They are criminal gang enforcers and this helpless doctor yeah who in the end is the biggest monster of them all yeah crazy the, the sociopath idea that, i don't know what he was playing i was like i'm stuck on an alien planet i'm gonna go ahead and rape this girl it's like what or i the, what the way i kind of i kind of get the impression that he was he's essentially a jeffrey dahmer you know ted bundy type mm-hmm. that that the he predators uses his charisma to get by Oh, yeah. He uses the fact that he's visually helpless to get other people to protect him because he's manipulative. Yeah. That, that one of the first things he does is gets the Russian guy to protect him. That he saves the Russian guy from uh, touching a plant that would poison him and say, don't, don't do that, and uh, shows him that he's going to be okay, and then he makes a friend. Yeah. And he keeps, he keeps himself kind of in the position where he knows he can't fight these things directly, but he can kill them in the context of this hunt too. So he is a serial killer, but he's not the same kind of killer that they are. He's not like mm-hmm. a Israeli he's a scary sniper kind or... that blends in with society. Yeah. Yeah. He's not like a, a Russian soldier with a, a chain gun. He's not, you know, a samurai Yakuza guy. I he's love not... how 
Oh my gosh. I love the um how you have each character with their own weapon again. Yeah. It's set up like a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's really kind of cool in that when they don't really know why they're there. Danny Trejo is like the cartel guy, um, but yeah, they, the thing that's kind of nice is that they use the fact that there's like a death row convict in an orange jumpsuit that's with them. I think to create additional cover for the twist of Topher Grace, mm-hmm. because not all of them are killers in the exact same way. And the idea of oh, okay, that guy's obviously the you know, murderer, rapist guy. And then there's just this doctor, and I would. That's right. He makes a couple rape jokes, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Raping bitches. Yeah, and uh, Topher Grace is like, "Yeah, I'm gonna sit over here with this guy. I don't want (laughs) to sit next to the scary convict guy." (laughs) Who's? And uh, it's it's kind of great because I was like, "Wait a minute, is this the predator saying, oh, they should have a doctor in their group?'" That's how I was sort of... That's like, what I took it, it as. It's like, mm-hmm. so, okay, so they're actually going to give these guys a little bit of an advantage, like a handicap, by giving them a doctor who can help fix them up as things go by, and then he, that doesn't ever happen. Yeah. Yeah, and the idea that this guy has like a couple scalpels on him, and at first I was like, that's kind of a weird thing for him to carry that, but then you realize that it's just like he's a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> and he just like... So of course he has those things on him, and it was it was actually a really neat twist. I liked also... Uh, Lawrence Fishburne is sort of like the Jumanji guy. Oh, yeah, when he first shows up, he's super badass, and then he starts talking to something in the corner, and you're like, oh. Yeah, he's probably been there You're not all there, are you? Yeah, he did the crazy thing pretty well. He did it pretty I I enjoyed... And, Mm -hmm. uh, that he goes to save them and takes them back to that, like, crashed ship and that he's living out of, and it makes sense that he would try to kill them, because really what he sees is a bunch of weapons and food. Yeah, he's and, a scavenger. Uh, That's yeah, it. That and, I'm not going to feed, like, six more people. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things I, I really like about it is, as the characters develop, you very quickly figure out that the, the hero who leads the group is a complete and utter sociopath. He loves killing. He got tired of doing it in the military, so he's doing it freelance now as a mercenary. And then out of the last three that survive, you have the woman who is the most compassionate person and most human out of any of them, and the two sociopaths. Yeah. And you get this stark contrast between people who would do whatever they have, well, one who will do whatever he has to, to survive, and if his survival benefits by other people surviving, then he will help them survive too. Then you have somebody who will do whatever makes him happy. And then somebody who just wants to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has some badass moments in there, though. I mean, actually, in each of these films, there's been a female character who's had a moment of badassness. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I, li- I like that character. She was, she was cool. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was kind of cool because you needed somebody that was kind of likable. To contrast uh, Adrian Brovey's behavior, I think mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. it is that that at the beginning when they find the the hunting camp of the predators, they're looking around and Adrian Brody suddenly isn't there and she notices it, and that he'd been using them as bait to draw out the predators. Yep. So and then they set I, up for another sequel by saying, "No, we just need to get a, get off this planet," and then the, yeah. that sequel hasn't happened yet. Yeah, they're never going to get off that. I mean, how are they going to? Um, they had that shot with that one captured predator that they thought they could, you know, use him to fly off the planet, but he gets killed right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, there's some there's some pretty cool stuff. There in is it, a but... no, uh, there is a new one coming out here next year, I think. Yes, so... uh, directed 
directed and written by Shane Black again, you know, oh. makes incredible movies. Uh, I love Shane Black to death. I don't know if you guys have seen The Nice Guys or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's the, that's a classic. That's the, oh, he's great. And he also wrote and directed Iron Man 3. Okay. So he's, he's been doing a lot of stuff. One of the things that uh, is a common theme in most of his movies is they tend to take place during Christmas. Hmm. Um, he did like Long Kiss Goodnight, takes place during Christmas. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, takes place during Christmas. Iron Man 3 takes place during Christmas. What, he didn't get the um, pony he asked for? Or... Yeah. <laughs> he just loves he loves Christmas. So, I mean, like, uh, what was the other one? Lethal Weapon takes place during Christmas. Yeah. He wrote that. Yeah. And uh, what I'm wow. hoping for is a Predator Christmas movie. <laughs> yes. Predator versus Santa. Oh, no. God. <laughs> Let's look, look, harken back to the 50s. Yeah. I, I just want to see, you know, some little kid who hears something on the roof and lets in the Predator. <laughs> oh, that would be I, awesome. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with that. Shane Black is really good at uh, dialogue and fun little twists. He does action really well. So almost any other franchise, I would just roll my eyes at, oh, do we need another one of these damn things? But with Shane Black involved, I'm on board. Well, I really am. The great thing with Predator is it's it's character-driven, and it's a premise. You don't have a story that you're telling. Yeah, it doesn't continue from one to the next. So you can just start from scratch, introduce whole new characters, and uh, you don't have to do the thing. I, I call it the nerd disease, where it's this desperate need that nerds have and we've sort of taken over hollywood to have a fucking backstory for everything oh and yeah we have to have an explanation for every little thing and i'm a little bit worried with these star wars you know non-saga films that everyone's gonna like here's how han solo got his vest or this is why this happened and i'm like can we just have a story and predator has been really good at avoiding answering questions about the predator home planet or answering questions about what they even call themselves I know those answers are probably in the comics, but I try to avoid it because I like that the Predator is mysterious. Well, yeah, and they like never it. even call it a Predator. Yeah. It's just this monster that's hunting them. They, you know, I don't know, you know, what the Predator calls himself. I don't know the names the of any Yot of Yotzi, I think. Yeah. Something like that. They did They did um, a couple novels and, uh, like I said, 30 years worth of comic books would give you all the background you want. But they yeah, kind of so kept that out of the movies. That's the way I like it. I just, mm -hmm. I don't want I don't want answers. It's like if I you do want... want answers, here's your avenue. Here's where you can go get answers. If you don't really want answers and you like the suspense and the mystery, here are the movies to kind of Well, and if there aren't answers, people will make them up and that's just fine. Like Yeah, I like yeah. Like we I I found uh a timeline of the Predator Alien universe putting everything together into a coherent timeline with Blade Runner in it. Oh, geez. They basically try to get all of Ridley Scott into this one timeline. <laughs> it's that's straight. I, but I could easily see the sort of quasi dystopian predator to LA becoming the, the place that we see in Blade Runner eventually. Yeah. Where it's just really run down and covered in garbage. I could see that. Um, it's a little bit weird because I mean, in, I don't know, you do have you do have androids in both of those universes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I actually some of the most effective gore I've always said was in the uh, Alien universe. Whenever they cut open one of those androids, 
Oh yeah. So that like milk blood comes out. Yeah. And that's always been really effective. Actually, one of the neat little um, continuity bits that I don't think is uh, really forcing it down your throat or being too like, ah, ah, let's stop the story to to add a bit of what I've heard referred to as continuity porn um, is in <laughs> Alien versus Alien true. versus Predator. Yeah, it is. It's just like, oh, hey, we're gonna throw this, we're gonna stop the story and connect a dot that really didn't need to be connected, but we're just gonna like. <laughs> make the fans really happy is uh, that they got Lance Henriksen to play um, Mr. Wayland mm-hmm. in yep. Alien vs. Predator, which is kind of cool. I like the idea of, oh, yeah, that android from Aliens. And then at the end of Alien vs. Predator, they give the gun to Miss Yutani. Right, of the yeah. Yutani Corporation. So Later, that the Wayland Yutani Corporation. The only problem is that they did Alien vs. Predator and um, Alien Resurrection at the same time. So they hmm. didn't have any collusion there. So we have Alien Resurrection where Wayland shows up to talk yeah. Sigourney Weaver's down. And then we have this other movie where he died in Antarctica way before. So yeah. that's a little bit of a continuity error, but who cares when you're having fun? Right. Yeah. 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 I tend to treat the Alien versus Predator movies as a sort of a separate thing. It's almost like an alternate reality. <laughs> Yeah, it's just we're going to have fun with these characters. It doesn't really matter that both of these universes shouldn't have to conform to each other. I th- I kind of have the opinion that continuity is something that should give you more but not detract. And that the minute it gets in the way of telling a good story, you should just ignore it. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Basically. It's kind of, like, are you guys familiar with the St. Elsewhere unified theory of, of everything? No. Mm-mm. Um, I don't know who first came up with it, but uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who's a longtime comic book writer, sort of made it popular on the internet again like 10 years ago. And uh, Dwayne McDuffie's point um, with this is ties into the idea of how we use continuity. And basically, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the TV show St. Elsewhere. It was like a, I never watched no. it, but I know of it. It was like a hospital drama, like Denzel Washington got his start on that show okay. um, as sort of a star. Uh, Howie Mandel was on there. Um, so at the very last episode of St. Elsewhere, it's revealed that the entire series had been a daydream of an autistic child looking at a snow globe with a hospital inside of it. That I remember that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So none of the show had happened. All of the show was inside the mind of this child who had... Apparently, inside of his own head was a showrunner of an elaborate television drama, <laughs> and <laughs> he had plotted this whole show out. So, anyways, this kid is looking at it, but they're like, well, Dwayne McDuffie says, well, wait a minute, what about the time that St. Elsewhere crossed over with Cheers, or with the Bob Newhart show? Like, they shared characters, and if we're going to take the idea that sharing a character between two different shows means they're taking place in the same universe... That means that the Bob Newhart show and Cheers are part of this elaborate autistic child's fantasy. So, okay, um, what about the shows that crossed over with Cheers or the Bob Newhart show? And people on the internet have created this elaborate web of all the shows that have had, like, Norman Cliff appear on, or mm-hmm. Fraser Crane makes an appearance, or, you know, the sharing between the Law and Order shows, and <laughs> even the X-Files has, yeah. I mean, like, the character of uh, Detective Munch from Homicide Life on the Streets has been on like four Law and Order shows. He was on X Files. He was on Sesame he was on... Street for crying out loud. Sesame Street, definitely. He has uh, his own arrested... puppet. 
<laughs> exactly, Arrested Development. So we're going to say that these are all part of the same elaborate universe. And these are all part of this kid's fantasy. But here's the really weird part. There are fantasies within the fantasy because at the end of the show Newhart, where Bob Newhart was running like a Vermont um, bed and breakfast, it was revealed that that whole show was a dream of his Bob Newhart show. Yeah, sure. where he wakes up oh, next wow. to his wife from the Bob Newhart show. <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, Which... But, the, but yeah, yeah Newhart, Newhart also crossed over with a bunch of other shows, including like Grace Under Fire, Roseanne... Um, the uh, Home Improvement, um, the Ellen DeGeneres show, all of these shows had, had managed to cross over. Um, I believe Dick Van Dyke even crossed over with these shows or shared characters. So there's these dreams within dreams, and they're all part of this elaborate thing. And the point Dwayne McDuffie mean, makes is that if you take continuity too seriously, the ultimate result is absurdity. Yeah. So you just kind of have to learn to let it go. You don't need to fit it together that well. And you have to be free to just ignore things that don't really work because these these movies and stuff are all made by um, hundreds of people who are all pulling in different directions and are all trying to make the best individual movie that they can. And if it doesn't match up with somebody else's movie, you know, whatever. I mm-hmm. I don't want to see the Alien or the Predator Homeworld. So when they show you a little bit of it in the second Alien versus Predator movie, I just go, oh, doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> It's a neat idea, but doesn't count. Don't want to see it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think it should be a, a foundation for new stories, but it shouldn't be something that locks you into going, oh, we wanted to do something with Mr. Wayland in Alien 4, but now we can't because Alien versus Predator, blah, blah, blah. Just like, fuck it, whatever. Do the thing you want to do. Exactly. And just tell the best story you can. And if it doesn't fit completely together, that's fine. And I used to be one of those people that was really caught up on those disparities but i just care less and less about that stuff i think it's something you mature out of yeah i think so like it doesn't bother me that there are two alfrey woodards in the marvel cinematic universe (laughs) it doesn't bother me because she's a great actress and the more of her you put in there the better yeah the only thing the only thing that hangs me up is the terminator universe that's the only one that's the continuity just bothers me well, that's the one where even inside of the individual movies, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. okay. Well, so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Like with, with Alien, if Prometheus, which we haven't actually talked about on the show, uh, to me, if you try to look at Alien Predator and Alien versus Predator as a coherent universe, Prometheus doesn't work. If you just look at Alien as a coherent universe, Prometheus might possibly work, probably does. But if you just look at it as a movie, using the basic premise of Alien, it totally works. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a certain amount of uh, consciousness, you know, believability that you've got to kind of dampen down when you're watching some of these movies. Then I do that with bad movies all the time. I love bad movies. There's the suspension of disbelief, but there's also just the, I think, a suspension of rationality. Yeah, you're going to have to turn certain things off uh, with certain movies. Oh, yeah. To to a certain extent. I don't think turning your brain completely off to the point that... I, I, I don't really care about whether, you know... I, I, you know, I get when Neil deGrasse Tyson calls out something like Gravity or The Martian because those movies are trying to be serious movies. But you don't call out Star Wars because Star Wars is a, a story about space wizards. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fantasy. 
Yeah, this was never <laughs> something that was going to be hard science. You know, this isn't Isaac Asimov stuff. So I treat it with the level of scrutiny that it obviously tries to treat itself. But regardless of all of that, I always try to say, do people act like people and do their decisions make sense? Do their motivations make sense? Mm -hmm. And I have a lot more problem with that than, you know, the laser gun doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah uh, and um, yeah. And speaking of that, the uh, last movie, Alien AVP Requiem, I think is where you get the that those decision making skills of the of the people in this movie make the least amount of sense out of all of the movies. Yeah. It's so a weird I one. loved the monster. Mm-hmm. Loved them. I want to have like a collectible figurine of that Predalien. Predalien yeah, the Predalien or but or Predomorph is what I'd prefer to call were it. But, yeah. Sacks of potatoes. Mm-hmm. And I was okay yeah, with watching them die. It's like, oh, okay, you died. You're not that important. That was one of my big beefs with that movie was that there were several scenes that were dark that it was hard to see what was going on. They they yeah. did way too much of the um what Alien did artistically well, they kind of messed up. Yeah, it was they have fight scenes where it's hard to tell who's there. There's a lot of characters that aren't physically distinctive enough from each other. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't tell sometimes. I was like, "Wait a minute, is the teenager the escaped con? He looks yeah. enough like I mean, they don't really I mean, he's you have to see them together to see how different they look yeah. but when they're in different scenes." Oh, and they, I was like they, they cut between scenes where because it's still dark, you have no idea where it is. Is this somebody that just happened to stumble in on the 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 alien and predator fighting, or is this a kid in the at the pool? Yeah, I lost track of characters sometimes too. Because that guy who plays the uh, rickety cricket on It's Always Sunny is like the manager <laughs> of the pizza place, and he goes with them to the hospital, but I don't know where he dies. I was looking back on it, and I can't figure out what happened to him because he was the whole thing. Because um, he was a guy that when they get out of the 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 mm-hmm. tank when they drive to the hospital says yeah. something like you know every man for himself and it's just because the one guy is like listen um she's the only one who can't die because she's the only one who can fly the helicopter oh yeah he and said he none makes, of that women and children first bullshit yeah that that's rickety cricket and i was like well what happened to him after that i i assume he got killed by a predator or an alien but a lot of the action is so confusing that i can't tell you when a character drops out of the plot hmm. and that's the other thing too. That my, I mean, I like the premise to the first Alien versus Predator more than the second, though. I always kind of like the we're stuck in a small town vibe thing. But it, the first one, it kind of felt like it was the exact same plot as Prometheus. It's like, hey, a secret scientific group calls a bunch of people together to go do a thing, and with the second one, it's essentially a Friday the Thirteenth movie that just happens to have different monsters in it. Yeah, it's where. It's the alien and predator are fighting in the middle of a teen angst movie. Yeah, it's, and I could have, have really done without the teen angst. It's there's so many. It's like it's made out of horror slasher tropes. Yes, where you have the um, soldier lady who's coming back uh, home for the first time and is scared she can't reconnect with her daughter. You have the um, ex-con who's trying to make good and come back and be a good older brother to his younger brother who has a crush on a girl who is dating a psychopath mm-hmm. right out of right out of a jason movie and um then you have all of this stuff happening with the cop and it's it's really weird that it 
it nothing feels like it's an original piece made for this movie. It all yeah. feels like like you had a bunch of movie parts that are, you know, fragments of like different leftover forms. characters from other movies. So you're like, okay, let's just throw them all together into one mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, you throw them in a bag, yeah. shake it, and this is what came out of it. And the only thing that seems kind of interesting is the idea, of course, that the military just wants to nuke the town. Um, Get everybody together in the center of the town and then nuke it. I love it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's Using pretty, them as bait. Exactly. That at least is a little bit interesting, but uh, I don't know. It just I was trying to figure out who was alive and who was dead at any given time. Trying to figure out the relationship between the aliens and the pregnant women took me a second too long. Um, yeah. Like, why were you there had to mul- look it up, too. I had to look it up. Because I was like, why were there multiple out. aliens pot- chest bursting here? That's never happened anywhere. And why is the, pre- the pred alien's face is like a face hugger now? It's- yeah, why did they do that? Well, there's excuses all over the internet for it, but they didn't explain it in the movie, so I'm not going to... Because the alien queens can either fight... Or pop out eggs. Yeah. Because the fight, like... they have to rip off their reproductive tract. Yeah. So this was supposed, supposedly a way for a young queen to quickly create a brood. I, was was that supposed to be a, a predator alien? Was that supposed to be a queen? It was really it was, confusing. Yeah. If you, it, it was hard to see, but if in like one or two scenes, you actually do get to see the full mantle, mm. and it is a full-sized queen mantle. And you also... You also have the fact that it's so much bigger, and the queens yeah. are twice huge. as big as almost yeah, the predator. She, yeah, she should have she should have been a lot bigger because the alien queen is like twenty feet tall. But this is a, a young queen. Oh, I don't know. See, just, this is where it starts I to still, get fuzzy. I still, it, yeah, it just, whatever. It feels it still still feels. I still stupid. love the monster part of the film. I just didn't like the rest of it. But oh my gosh, I loved the. The pred alien. Now, now one <laughs> thing so that I, cool. I do think is is interesting and worth discussing is the military nuking the town. Well, duh, yeah. Was that the right call? Oh, absolutely. Dude, I don't think there's a lot, lot you could do. Really. They did what the predators did. Yeah. You nuke it if it gets out of hand. Their well, problem the was that yeah. they made everybody go into the center of town when the aliens weren't there. They were over in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that... Well, that didn't because, work out, well, but they the, still nuked the whole thing. Nuking the town, I don't have a problem with. The part I have an issue with is they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. How did they know? They had like that map that shows it's spreading. What is that based on? Heat signatures or something? Yeah. It just... showed it spreading, and he had video of, of one of the aliens up close. He says, what are just... you? Yeah, it's just it was weird. And he says he's a colonel, but he's in... A civilian suit, so not yeah. really a colonel. FBI. It's, just, it's always secret. the FBI. It's secret government, dude. Yeah. Uh, when they the black do a, helicopters. When they do another, because this kind of ties in a little bit with what you got going on in Predator 2, where he's not DEA, and he's probably not FBI either. That's probably a cover, True. a second level cover. It looks like they're, they've set up a, a secret government agency to look at these aliens. Which I would totally believe. Which would make perfect sense. Mm. It'd be this small group preparing to getting everything ready, including nuclear launch, at least tactical nuke launch authority to deal with alien threats. Which we, you know, totally need. That would be awesome. What I what secretly made me giggle was at the end of the movie, they um there's a the group of them escape 
the younger brother, the criminal, the mom and the, her daughter in the helicopter. And if these guys just nuked an entire town, there's no way they're letting those people walk out of those woods. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. little girl. They're you just dead. got a bullet in the back of the head. <laughs> I was just crap. like, kind yeah. of like and laughing. Then, and then the soldiers that do that get killed. Yeah. Oh, that was weird. One well, out, out running a nuke in a helicopter is a little bit weird, but I can do it. It's a, it's an action movie. Um, yes. But yeah, there's there. I don't know. There's a lot of things that don't really make a terrible lot of well, sense. There's, they didn't outrun the nuke. They got knocked out of the air and then fell behind a mountain. So the blast wave was deflected by the mountain away from them. Well, I didn't okay. see a mountain, so I. But they were flying over mountains, the, the foothills of the Rockies in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, I can I can deal with it. I mean, Arnold outran one of those you know suicide bombs that the uh, predator yeah, had in the right? first movie. Mm-hmm. I I think he just fell in a hole and that saved him. Whatever. I can I can deal with stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit. I just couldn't keep track of who was alive and who was dead. Yeah. I was kind of shocked because it felt like they'd forgotten that the little girl existed until that moment. Yeah. That if there's one thing that you have a little kid along for in a monster movie, it is to give you a sense of race stakes because if there's all that. It's like the way Jurassic Park always has a kid in the group because it's all about child endangerment. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like there was a lot of child endangerment in this movie because it felt like they just frequently forgot they had a kid with them. Yeah. Well, in Requiem, the the premise and the the alien, the, the, the monsters are better than the first Alien versus Predator. But yeah, the story just doesn't make sense. Yeah, the 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 predator that comes there to to clean up is a little bit weird because it doesn't really make sense what he's doing. That is he there to wipe out the aliens or is he there just to cover all evidence that anything was there? Is he trying to foil the aliens or is he trying to foil Mulder and Scully? Yes. I would say because, yes to both. Cuz there's a certain point where there's enough monsters and enough people have seen them that you just don't go around pouring blue stuff on things anymore. Yeah. And the part that doesn't make much sense is the Guatemalan woman in the first movie and the Hispanic woman in Predators. They know from local legend about Predators. Yeah. So they're doing their normal hunts and they're not sanitizing everybody. This one almost seemed like it was um, it was more like there was a hunt than... It, an infection started to spread where they didn't want it to, and he was sent to go back to kill that infection, kind of thing. But also yeah. remove all evidence of it. Yeah, that's well, that's the vibe I got. It's kind of like you know, Mister Wolf in Pulp Fiction or uh, Mike the Cleaner on Breaking Bad. Wait, Mister just... Wolf in Pop? Is that why his name's oh, Wolf? Oh, it's probably is. Huh? I bet. I that's bet awesome. It's so yeah, Mister Wolf yeah. goes. You know, Har- Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction, who's yeah. just like okay. We're going to clean up your car. We were wondering earlier why in the credits they showed the, the Predator's name is Wolf. Oh, that, that makes sense. Huh. And the, what, what, the way I, my interpretation of it was a weird prime directive. Yeah. You can go, you can hunt, and you can kill, but after what they did when they built the, the pyramids and used people to fuel their, their fights against aliens, you can't, uh, can't be tweaking with this culture anymore. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a little it's a little weird. I I just don't ask questions. And that's best with these. That is what that is best. Just it's, don't ask questions. Shh. shh <laughs> don't okay. just don't even. 
it just comes across like one of those things that if I start to ask questions, it's just going to fall apart. And I'd rather just enjoy <laughs> I'd it. I'd rather just enjoy the mayhem. Yeah, the, I enjoyed the Alien vs. Predator movies in pieces. Yes. Um, yes. I... There's there's things I, I... And again, this is... I, I, I throw these complaints about with like Rogue One out there too, because I feel kind of the same way about Rogue One, which is it's a it's a mess of a movie. I don't really care about the characters, but I have a lot of affection for the ships and the things that are moving around that I just kind of want to see those things do cool things. Yeah. Yes. Rather, and the st- it's like, yeah, I get to see cool things, but that isn't enough to make a movie where it's like, I'm not going to revisit the Alien versus Predator movies at any time, but I could watch, you know, Predator 2 or Predators again. Because mm-hmm. yeah. there's enough there's enough of a thing there. Yeah. Well, it was enough that, yeah, I wanted to rewatch Alien vs. Predator for this. I didn't want to rewatch Requiem. Lauren made me. <laughs> it was, oh, we didn't have anything else to do last <laughs> night. Yeah, it was fine. It's but, um, not, not a good movie. Yeah. Uh, so, good, bad, and ugly. Oh, wait, wait. Before that, I do have one question. Oh, yeah? So, I'm going to give three options. Is, and, and you can separate Alien vs. Predator from this, um, but okay. is Predator a coherent series? Is it awesome and doesn't need that? Or is it Profit Hungry Studios trying to milk money out of what was once a popular awesome movie? Does it have to be either or? I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Um, yeah. Because there's definitely some milking going on. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason a lot of... Th- I mean, who wants a Chips movie? I mean, really. I think that ultimately... <laughs> Studios make movies and movies cost a lot of money, so they're going to try to make something that has a name that people recognize because you're more likely to see an alien monster movie that is named after something you recognize than an, an alien monster movie that has the same plot that isn't called Predator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a big part of what motivates these things to get made, but that doesn't mean that the people who get hired on to make them can't have a real artistic... Um, love of these things and want to create actual art i mean that's what happens with movies period the people who produce movies don't give a crap about you know art or anything like that except that there's prestige that comes with getting an oscar yeah yeah i mean they like that but i think ultimately um it's always going to be a mix of of art and commerce when you come to movies that cost you know literally tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars i think that it's because of the art side of it that I want to see or not see them. I didn't see Predators in theaters, or not really at all until prepping for this episode, because I assumed it was an entirely commerce-based movie. I didn't see anything about it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, mm-hmm. a lot more than I thought I would. It's definitely still more commerce-based. Yeah. yeah. It has that kind of vibe where... The the next Predator movie they announced for next year, the one directed and written by Shane Black, um, I like the Predator, but what's really selling me on that movie is I really love Shane Black, and he makes good movies, and he's shown that he can make really good franchise movies with things like Iron Man 3, which is probably the best movie that has a number three in the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, movies get awful by that point, and... It was really good, and it was really fun, and had all the signature things that I want from a Shane Black movie, and I think I can get that with a Predator movie, and I think it's easier to get it with a Predator movie, because like you said, is it a coherent universe? I I think it is, yes, because like you said before, Lauren, it isn't really a plot thing. It isn't a mythology 
It isn't uh, a story that has all of this built-in stuff you need to know. It's there's a bunch of people in a place, and this monster with technology tries to kill them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter where, doesn't matter how. That's just the way it is. A Predator yep. twenty conceivably could be just as good as the first. Yeah, you just come up with new premise. It's such a simple premise, and I think that's what makes it work because. It isn't set around a location. It isn't set around a specific time or place. It isn't set around a certain lead character. Because the minute Arnold didn't come back for part two, uh, it's I'm sad that Arnold isn't in the prequel, to, the, the sequel to uh, Predator. But at the same time, it freed that franchise from being an Arnold series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And now it can be whatever it wants to be. It can go anywhere. It can be anything. And because we love nostalgia, we go back to the jungle a bunch of times, but we have to make it a different jungle in a different situation. Yeah. yeah. Including Antarctica and Colorado. Exactly. <laughs> I I like that sort of thing. This did solve the um, question that Dustin and I had when we went to Cancun. There was predator stuff everywhere. Was there? It was so funny. You know, like the fake, um, fake ivory carvings mm-hmm. and... And welded... Uh, Metal scraps. Metal scrap sculptures. I mean, everywhere you went in Cancun, er- the Cancun area, there's Predator merchandise. Especially at Chichen Itza, we saw it. And oh, it's wow. so funny because that's, you know, that's where it was filmed. People but... are smart. People know they're tourists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they do. I was so tempted to get one. And it was it was the more the Mayan people that were selling the stuff than your more proper Mexicans, yeah. which people... they get the double tie-in because they're Mexican but they're also Mayan, so Guatemala, that's also theirs. I was going to say, what do you mean by proper Mexican? As yeah. The Mayans are a distinct population <laughs> that actually, they're, they're an indigenous people. I'm just giving you crap. Yeah, I use a poor choice of words because <laughs> when you're talking, this is one of these things, whenever you, ha- you talk about indigenous people, it is really hard to not screw up. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a people within a people, and that is hard to not put your foot in your mouth. Yeah, it's, it makes sense that people would go, hey, there's there's a bunch of fat white people that show up with money. Um, obviously, you're going to learn about the pop culture shit that those fat white people want, and you go, here you go. Here's a bunch of shit. Yeah. I can make a bunch of stuff that ties into this stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, whatever, you just keep coming, I'll keep making <laughs> my Predator sculptures. This is pretty awesome. And after a while, you get really good at making Predator sculptures. Oh, man, they were using bike chains and... Just little scraps of aluminum and steel they'd get off of cars and just about anything else. It was fun. It, they were really well done. That's pretty cool. I, I would love to see something like that. That's to me, is a lot more interesting than any official merch that they would make. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because that's just, that's that's kind of fun. That's homemade. Homemade bootleg and, yeah. sculptures. I, I love awesome. bootleg Predator sculptures. <laughs> I, I kind of love stuff like that because, I mean, Predator does have that, you know, sort of Central American jungle vibe to it. Absolutely. And, yeah. And everything else they were selling there was made in China. Oh, wow. Well, there not everything, but... Almost. Almost. So I'm going to go ahead and skip the good, the bad, the ugly because I okay. think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. Um... Thanks, Mike, for coming on the show. Sure, absolutely. Like I said, a little fangirl moment. Yay! <laughs> oh, I actually I actually have sort of a parting gift for you guys, which is a comic recommendation that oh, actually okay. plays into this. There is a comic book miniseries that came out last year from it was a it was a Dark Horse Comics Archie Comics crossover. And <laughs> I tried called, to find that. 
And I couldn't, you can, couldn't you can find it. You can probably get it on on Amazon or something, but it's uh, Archie versus Predator, yeah, which which is a mini series they did where Archie and the gang uh, win a contest uh, to an island vacation. Uh, they encounter the Predator, who follows them back to Riverdale and starts killing people. <laughs> and it's oh. so not aimed at kids. It has the traditional Archie house style, so it looks familiar. Except every so often someone gets their spine ripped out. And it, it <laughs> is full of move. so many wonderful Easter eggs to the original, including like the macho handshake. Um, I think at one point, some I think Archie sees a predator without his mask and says he's one ugly melon farmer. <laughs> um, there are so many little in-jokes in it, and it's really, really genuinely funny and super gory. And oh, Arch- awesome. That's a good combo. It has some of the best uh, alternative covers of anything I've ever seen. The people clearly had a lot of fun with it. I did oh, see nice. some of the cover art, and yeah, it, it looked it looks awesome. Oh, man. All uh, right. Well, yes. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a blast. Oh, absolutely. And our next episode, which we're actually going to start trying to plan ahead enough to be able to announce those, uh, will be Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Happy Towel Day. You're one. Ugly motherfucker. You can visit us on the web at scifinomads.com, email us at contact at scifinomads.com, tweet us at scifinomads, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash scifinomads. In each case, it's spelled S-C-I-F-I-N-O-M-A-D-S. No spaces and no hyphens. Theme music in this episode is Urban Jungle 2061 by Eric Matias, www.soundimage.org.